Well, last week we stopped a little bit midstream in a topic called mortification of the flesh. And basically what I am saying in this is that we need to declare war on sin in our lives. <clears throat> we, need to, we need to declare war on sin in our lives. Another way to say we need to mortify the flesh. And the reason we need to do that is because sin is destroying many things around us. It is destroying families. It is destroying marriages. It is destroying many aspects of our country. And it just seems to me <clears throat> that sin would be something that we would want to make war against. <clears throat> it was Billy Sunday who, uh, I love his quote. He said, listen, I'm against sin. And I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. And I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless and footless and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. <clears throat> I love that quote. We need to make war against sin. And I want to say this because this is very important. That war against sin does not, that's not the sin in your spouse's life. Okay? It's, it's, not the, uh, it's not that sin in, in that rowdy neighbor's life that lives a couple doors down. It's not, it's not the sin in, in, that we need to wage war against in the politicians who are crooked. It's not the behavior, behavior of our kids. That sin that we're talking about is the sin in you and the sin in me. That's where we need to make war. You know, Jesus said it this way, and, and we're all really good at this. He said, you know, why, why do you try and take splinters out of people's eyes when you, got, when you have logs in your own eyes? And all of us are pretty good at that. We're pretty good at identifying things outside of ourselves that are, are wrong, but in terms of our own lives, we, we tend to, to kind of gloss over some of those things and the other thing we do is we just simply don't really focus on ourselves. We're too busy. That's been one of the problems of the church. The church has ranted and raged about the slide of culture. But meanwhile, the church has slid right alongside of it. And so we see here that the problem is not out there. The problem is not someone else. The problem is me. And that's where I need to look. Romans 1 and 2, Paul talks about the, he talks about those who have no moral sense of anything. Those are very unreligious people. He talks about the pagans and all the things they do. And, and that's very interesting because in chapter 2 and 3, he knows Jews are reading this and they're probably going, yeah, Paul, give it to them. Give it to those godless pagans out there. And Paul goes, why are you judging them? You're no different. The very way, you know, you're just as much a lawbreaker. It's maybe a little bit different, but, but you're no different. Why do you judge someone else? We all have this issue. And so last week we began looking at some truths based on a guy that lived like 400 years ago. His name was John Owen. 
You probably haven't heard of him. You probably never read his writings. If you started reading his writings, you'd probably quit within 60 seconds. I read one of his paragraphs the other night, and uh, I don't think I understood a word he said. It's, but people that have, you know, the language was different and so forth, but people that have read John Owen and have stuck it out and, and really, really gone through it have said it, it's like, it's like, it's like a mountain that's full of gold. And you have to go through a lot of rock, but there's a lot of gold there. And so, pulled out just a few of the truths, and we're going to do a little review this morning, and then there are a couple points that <clears throat> we're going to hit on that we missed last week. So, kind of a, just a review of those first three points. We started with this term, mortification of the flesh. Here's what it means. To mortify, mortify means to subdue. To weaken, it literally means to damage tissue. It means self-denial of the body and appetites. It means to put in a state of ill health. So the goal is, is that this thing called your sinful nature or your flesh, that you would put it in a state of ill health. I use the example of the fact that we are like, we are like in a prison cell. And we have captives who are there to torture us and deceive us and destroy our lives. And, and Jesus Christ comes as a rescuer and he comes and he, he takes the keys away and he takes their authority away and he opens the cell door and now he says to us, you know what? You can walk out. You do not have to listen to them anymore. They no longer have the authority to keep you here. The Christian life is a process of walking out of that cell, of walking away from our sinful nature and all of its voices and all of its patterns that have developed in our lives. We can walk away. We now have the power and authority through Jesus Christ to do that. So, here is the first point we talked about. It is the daily duty of all Christians to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Jesus said it this way, if you're going to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. What does a cross represent? It represents death. Jesus said, you have to do this daily. You have to take up your cross daily and follow me. John Owen says it this way, you have to daily, it's a daily duty to mortify, to kill this, the deeds of the flesh. I remember... I remember the moment in time when I was, I was about 45 years old. I was in Roseau, Minnesota. I don't know what had gone on that week, but there was something I was, something I was battling with. And you know, this has been going on now ever since I became a Christian. Like, I was a Christian when, from the time I was very young. And so I've been, I'm, been, I'm battling this. And I, I remember the moment in time when it just, I, I came to this realization. And what I, what I said in my mind was, I said, it's never going to happen. I, I remember that moment in time. Because, see, I thought that in my Christian life, I would eventually mature to the point where I wasn't really struggling with, you know, with sin. Like, like, like my, like, you know, I, 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 would, you keep, I would keep sending my flesh to rehab. And every time it came out, I thought it was going to be better, and it never was. And so at age 45, I realized, you know what? Rehab ain't working. My flesh is still as sinful as it ever was. It's, 
It's, it's still there. It's not going away. And I am going to face this struggle. As Billy Sunday said, till the day I'm toothless, you're going to have to gum it. Because it's not going away. And so Owen says, this is a daily duty. Until Christ comes, this is a daily duty. The metaphors in the Bible are, this is a battle. This is a race. This is a wrestling match. This is something that we have to fight daily. John Owen said it this way, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You either kill the sin in your life or it will be killing you. It will be destroying you. It will be destroying your family. It will be destroying things around you. So, it's a daily duty duty to mortify the deeds of the flesh. The second one we looked at was that indwelling sin abides in every Christian. Every Christian. Paul gave his testimony in, in Romans 7. Did you know what? Every time, I want, every time I know what the right thing is to do, I got something else telling me to do the opposite. Like Paul says, sometimes I want to do what's right, but I do what's wrong. Paul said, that, that's what I experience in this, in this wrestling match, in this battle, in, the, in this race that he's running. That's why he called it a race. That's why he called it a battle. That's why he called it something we have to wrestle with. And so, under this point, what I, what I wanted to communicate last week, and I'll say it again, is um, you're not special. You're not uniquely sinful. You know, you think, well, I know everyone sins, but there's something, if, if people knew how I, you know, how I really sin, I wonder what they'd think. <clears throat> well, they'd probably know because they're, they're in the same shoes. They're probably thinking the same thing about you. Abiding sin dwells in everybody. And it's just as evil in everybody. It manifests itself differently. Christians are experiencing victory in, in subduing that flesh, but it's still something that is very present in every one of our lives. So don't go away thinking that somehow you're unique or you're the oddball out because you wrestle and struggle in your faith. That's simply just not true. Did you hear that? That, that's a big one. <clears throat> because Satan will try and isolate you, and he will try and discourage you, and he'll try to think, what, what's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with us is that we all have that sinful nature, and Christ is here to help us find victory in that and over that. He's here to help us walk out of that prison cell. The third point was this. Indwelling sin always acts to bring about the deeds of the flesh. It always acts to bring about the deeds of the flesh. And so, Paul says something very interesting in the book of Romans. And uh, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, we're kind of been, I've kind of been focusing on Romans chapter 8. But there he says in Romans 8, or Romans 7, I'm going to look at verse 18. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Nothing good in the sinful nature. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. He says, that's a law. You don't change laws. And last week I talked about the fact that 
Gravity, just like gravity's there. It's that law when you're sitting in an airplane and you realize there's 80 tons of weight here and you wonder how on earth is this thing going to ever get off the ground? But it does because there's another law that overcomes the law of gravity. And so Paul's going to give this analogy that the law of the spirit is now able to overcome the law of gravity. But guess what? That law is always present. It's always seeking to push you down. You turn the engines off on the plane, the plane will go down. And so there will be a continual thing in your life, this flesh, that will be constantly seeking to push you in a direction. And that direction is away from God and away from freedom and away from the things that God has for us. So here's point number four. Indwelling sin not only acts, but attempts to bring about soul-destroying sins. So sin, what, what it's saying here is that sin is progressive. Okay? It's never content to stay where you start with it. Never content to stay where you start with. It may seem very innocent in the beginning, but it will progress. Sin is so deceptive. So deceptive. It's often very slow. Things don't happen just in a day. They, they happen with one decision, and then another, and then another. I want to take about five minutes here, and I, I want to show you the... Uh, I think one of the greatest clips on this is from Casting Crowns. And uh, I'd like you to just watch this this morning. It, it illustrates so well what we're talking about here. Second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow thing when you give yourself away. It's a slow thing. When black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. 
slow fade. People never crumble in a day. Sin finds a foothold and then it digs a hole. Then it bores the hole deeper. It's usually a process, a very deceptive process. It's not just the obvious sin. Sin seeks to destroy us. It's not content until it destroys us. And it will continue to progress and continue to move. In the book of Galatians, 
Paul talks really about, he mentions two of the primary ways. I just want to, I want us to see this. Galatians 5. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh manifests itself in terms of people who just, by and large, give up. So you know what, if I'm going to hell, I might as well enjoy the trip. Or maybe they don't believe in a hell. Maybe if that's all there is, then let's drink and be merry. You know, grab all the gusto you can. You only go around once. All that kind of thinking. The flesh manifests itself in, in that direction. But there's another side to the flesh. A much more subtle side. And actually in the book of Galatians, Paul spends a lot more time talking about this. Verse, chapter 5, verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You know, Jesus seemed to have an easier time with the prostitutes and the downright crooks than he did with those who were trying to establish a righteousness of their own. You notice that? And so the flesh, it may not manifest itself in the obvious, what we would call bad things. It will go the other direction. So why don't you just try and be good? Why don't you try and be good enough? Why don't you try and establish a righteousness apart from God? Because self can be very proud and very self-determined. And it likes to feel good about itself. And it likes to look good about itself. And it likes to deny what's really going on in the depths of the heart. And so it will in any way it can try and keep you from Christ. And so every sin, and that is the, that is the soul-destroying sin, is to reject and to not follow Christ. And so sin will always work. Always work to that end. The flesh can look very, very bad. The flesh can look very, very good. A quote I, I didn't, I forgot to mention earlier, but I wanted to, if you have notes there, I wanted you to get this because it's a little quote that I love. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. It will always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you want to pay. That is the progressive nature of sin. It is always attempting to bring about soul-destroying sins. It's never content to stay in one place. And then, fifthly, neglect of this duty, writes Owen, causes a withering of the soul. Neglect of this daily battle to, to mortify the flesh results in a, in a withering inside of your soul. 
Ephesians or Hebrews 3.13. Look at what it says. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So, sin has a way of hardening us and the way it does it is through deceitfulness. So sin moves into our house. It moves into our house. When we were in Roseau, there was a family there and there was a cousin. He was almost a first cousin. He was just somewhere between a first co- once removed first cousin. He was like 35 years old. They invited him in. He was hard up. He didn't have anything. They came. He stayed over the summer. And that fall, he came and announced to this couple in my church that he and their 16-year-old daughter were going to get married. And I still remember the conversation of this man. He was just, he said, I invited this man into my house. I gave him a roof over his head. I gave him food to eat. And this is what I get for it. They ended up leaving, refusing to give any address, whereabouts. It was many, many, many years later until they were able to meet their first grandchild. Sins like that. And sometimes we give sin a room in our house. We give sin accommodations because it's very deceitful. And we don't realize who we invited into our house. We don't realize who's sleeping in the bedroom right next door to us. And when we do this, sin has a way of, of hardening us and in blinding us. You know, it's kind of, like, kind of like hardening of the arteries. And pretty soon we become spiritually weak. And we can hardly go up a set of stairs because this hardening spiritually has taken place because we, we have allowed sin to take up residence in its deceitfulness. In Revelation chapter 3, we see that Paul is, or the, John is writing there to the churches. Chapter 3, verse 2, he's writing to one of the churches. And this is what he says, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds, I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Here's a church, and they think they're doing well, but sin and its deceitfulness is common. And the writer said, spiritually, you've just about died. And here's the scary thing, you don't even know it. You are spiritually dying, and you don't even realize that you're almost dead. This morning, I want to challenge you in this area of mortification of the flesh. I want to challenge you. Here's a little, here's a little saying. Don't snuggle with your struggle. Don't snuggle with your struggle. Make war. Make war against that struggle. I'm going to conclude this morning with <clears throat> a clip from, from Dr. John Piper. And he, uh, he does a great job of just driving home the point here I want us to hear this morning. Uh, next week, when we come back, we're going to talk about so how practically, how do we actually mortify, how do we actually subdue and kill and weaken this flesh? And I want to talk about some very practical ways that we do that. So as we conclude this morning, I want you to just 
turn your eyes to the wall and, and listen to this clip. <coughs> The only possible attitude toward out-of-control desire is a declaration of all-out war. I hear so many Christians murmuring about their imperfections and their failures and their addictions and their shortcomings, and I see so little war. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Why am I this way? Make war! There is something about war that sharpens the senses. You hear a twig snap or rustling of the leaves and you are in attack mode. Someone coughs and you are ready to pull the trigger. Even after days of little or no sleep, war keeps us vigilant. There is a mean, violent streak to the true Christian life. Now let's very carefully ask, violence against whom or what? Not other people. Not other people. Not other people. Not Muslims. Not Hindus. Not Buddhists. Not atheists, not secularists, not nominal Christians, not wives or husbands or children or ordinary bosses, but on every impulse in our soul to be violent to other people. Violence means in Christianity against our own selves. that would make peace with sin and a settling in peacetime mindset. We make war on that in us. Let's pray this morning. Father, we would ask that you would open our eyes today to the kind of God that you are. A God that came not only at great price to free us from the penalty of sin, because of your great love for us as your people, but a God who came to free us from the power of this sin. And Father, we need to have a disdain. We need to have a, a hatred. Your word says that you hate sin. And Father, we would ask for that kind of hatred for sin. Father, desire within us that would, would truly come to you and say, Oh God, search me and know my heart. I want to know anything that's sinful in my life. And I, wanted, I want to see it destroyed by your power. Father, help us to be brutal against those sins in our lives. Help us to be 
open to those sins in our lives. Help us to be seeking those sins in our lives and then seeking you so that we can experience, Father, all that you have for us and that we can be people whose lives bring glory to you because people look at us and say, now there's something there of God that we can see in that person, something that's beautiful, something that it just seems to be the way, Father, that you would have made that marriage to be or that employee to be or that father to be or that mother to be. Father, we pray that you would do this work in us. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us that we have a sinful nature to deal with. It's something we have to deal with every day. And Lord, there is wonderful news that by Jesus Christ and the power of your Spirit, you have given us resources to experience victory over sin in our lives. Not that we're going to be perfect, but Lord, wherever we are today, all of us here, all of us here today are dealing with things that we don't need to be dealing with six months from now or a year from now. And so Lord, we would pray that you would just uh, open each of eyes. We are all unique here. There are different things right now as, as we conclude here that you are speaking to each one of us about. So Lord, might we hear your voice and might we respond to you today. Father, we pray, pray for anyone here who has never opened up their heart to the receiving of the Lord Jesus Christ through faith and your Holy Spirit, which enables us to find victory over sin. Father, I pray that they might, if you are giving them the faith today, that they might just trust in you. Lord, thank you for our time. We pray now as we receive our offering and, and then conclude this service. Just pray that you continue to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.